Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, first of all, I, I hope everyone is safe from Elsa. I uh, hope your power stayed on. I don't know if mine did. I'm not in Tampa right now. Steve, yours is obviously okay or we wouldn't be talking. As we're taping this at 11.04 on, uh, what is it, Tuesday night, mm-hmm. my power is on. So That's a good thing. It is raining. Right. There's got some wind outside, but uh, I'm far enough inland, too, where I'm, I don't, I'm usually not in bad shape for storms right. like this, this which I, are off the coast and, mm-hmm. and that. I don't get the coastal storm surge or anything like that, so... Yeah. Well, I'm sure there will be some flooding, no doubt, and, and the people yes. on the coast will have to watch it. Um, I know that some of the storm had sheared at, at this hour as we're doing this podcast, but hopefully everybody stays safe and um, and they keep the electricity on and the lights on and they can um, get to work or wherever they have to go tomorrow. Um, but in the meantime, we've got uh, a lot coming up. Of course, uh, tonight is Game 5 of the Stanley Cup uh, Finals. They have a chance to close it out. At home, I saw a story in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com, and I had this thought the other night when the Lightning went to overtime and they had the uh, you know the three minutes of the power play remaining. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, wouldn't it be amazing if the game-winning goal was scored by Steven Stamkos? Give him a moment in both Stanley Cup Another final moment, runs? yeah, because he had such a – and he's played – you know, he's contributed, let's be honest, the power mm-hmm. play until – uh, the other night has been spectacular throughout these playoffs. He's had a number of goals uh, on the power play and otherwise, and and so I think he's played pretty well. He's definitely contributed, maybe not to the level he did, you know, when he was a sixty goal score or a sixty goal scorer. But I mean, he has been a big part of their success. But yeah, the moment, the goosebump moment, one of the greatest in Tampa Bay sports, he turned in in last year's final with his really his only shift mm-hmm. um, with that goal, and and you know, but but and and again we. You know, we talked about this a little bit the other night. What will Stamkos do if he wins another cup? It, it, we don't know how these guys feel physically. There's a lot of things that are going to have to happen with, you know, the lightning and players they will lose and the salary cap, et cetera. But I think it'd be nice to have that that game-clinching moment, you know, if he were to get the winning goal. So that's something to, to root for maybe if you're a lightning fan. Well, personally, as a, if you're a Lightning fan, I think you're just rooting for a game-winning goal. Absolutely, doesn't Absolutely. matter who scores it. Much no, like, of course not. You know, they don't care how they win it. It's you know, it's a team effort and it's a team game, and all the teams you know names appears on the cup if right. they if they you know win it. So, um, but for him, but but sure. for what he's meant, the captain, mm-hmm. you know, uh, well, the fact that he got to play in this entire playoffs. You well, know, that's where, a bonus, where he missed. Right? You know, he played what two minutes and forty-seven seconds, yeah. in five yeah. shifts last year in one game. Yeah, and that was the extent of it, and 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 then you know afterwards we learned of the personal issues he went through, as well as the lot. injury part of the bubble, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know so you know you felt really bad for him, and and you know being there as they won it and such was a great you know thing for him, but yeah, I mean it would be cool to see him have a game winning goal if, if they can wrap it up tonight. Well, I'm happy for Tampa Bay fans. Uh, uh, maybe Jane Castro has taken a little too much grief. I don't know. Uh, she certainly <laughs> seemed to to understand that when it comes to sports, 
you never root against any team, <laughs> particularly one uh, that's in your backyard uh, for them to lose. But, uh, uh, you know, she may get her wish. Uh, if the Lightning can't close it out, it's going to be a, a great uh, gift uh, to the Tampa Bay fans to be able to see this one. Um, you know, they got, what, 16,000 or so in the Emily Arena oh, the other no, night. Oh, no, the capacity's up to 18.6, so. Now up to 18.6, but the other the, night. The max capacity for the Stanley Cup Finals, the NHL takes about 500 seats um, for some auxiliary press, and then you see the spaces behind the benches still don't have fans. First yeah. couple rows behind the benches in the penalty box, so um, those seats aren't. So it's not a. It's not at nineteen oh nine two, which is the official capacity. So eighteen six is the most they're allowed to sell in the Stanley Cup final. But what's remarkable is they nearly got that uh, the other night mm-hmm. just for a watch party. I mean, to sit there in the arena, go through mm-hmm. all, all the game day type of activities, and and watch the game on the big screen. So imagine what it'll be like with the game actually being played on the ice in front of you at home. Um, of course, the last time uh, at home that the Lightning won a Stanley Cup was 2004 in Game 7 against Calgary. So um, this will have sort of a similar feel, I would imagine. And, and if they're able to do it, uh, what a, it's one of the greatest celebrations, I think, in sports. My, my kids were talking about, they, you know, they'll show those highlights of the Stanley Cup uh, final moments in years past on mm-hmm. NBC. And um, they'll show, you know, just the replays of the clock ticking down and how the players universally, you know, throw their gloves, throw their sticks, mm-hmm. uh, leap into the air almost simultaneously, run to the goaltender. I mean, that is such a such a powerful moment. And, and, and you know, of course, they're all beaten and bruised and battered like they've just, uh, you know, come back from some kind of combat. In many cases, it's it's physical. But um, it, it's, it's just going to be spectacular to, uh, to for fans to be able to witness that if they're able to pull this off and, um, you know, for what we've been through this past year uh, with the pandemic, with all the success the Tampa Bay teams have, the last time the Lightning having to win in a bubble, uh, the Bucks playing, you know, before a uh, crowd of about 25,000, many of those uh, healthcare workers um, and winning a Super Bowl in, in Raymond James. They, this area has been, um, you know, a little bit, not by their teams. Their teams have done well. You know, the, the World Series was played in Texas and there were no fans uh, you know, the game wasn't in Tampa Bay as some of those games would have been. So, so much has been lost, and yet the teams have not lost very much. And it would just be, I think, great for both the players and the fans to enjoy that together because that is what these guys play for is, is that adrenaline, that rush, um, that connection that they have, that connective tissue uh, with performance uh, and excitement. And, and so all of that will, will have an opportunity to come together in this game uh, this one game for history, for a chance to win back-to-back Stanley Cups, which, as we know, does not happen very often. Um, and who knows, uh, this will be an entirely, well, not an entirely different team, but many of these players will not be back next year for, for various reasons. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a chance for this group to do something really special and win two in a row. So um, going to be great. It, it, and it looks like the storm will pass, you know, enough to probably allow, depending on the damage, uh, a Stanley Cup final game to be played at Amelie, we hope. so. Yeah, uh, Ed and Cena had tweeted earlier tonight that Jane Caster on WFLA Radio said, uh, we hope the greatest damage in the city is what the Lightning do to the poor Canadians. <laughs> the game five is still on for tomorrow night, barring any you know anything unforeseen. 
Now, see, that's a good statement. Those are the kinds of statements mm-hmm. that Jane Castor needs to continue to make. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays, they had postponed their game on Tuesday, so they will play a doubleheader today. Uh, so as we mentioned uh, yesterday, you'll have a chance to uh, maybe see two mm-hmm. games against the Cleveland Indians. Did and you the see Rays. who's getting called up, supposedly? Uh, Fidel Brujan, as yeah. Miguel, or Manuel Margot, as looks like he's going on the I.L. Yeah, a little bit of hamstring issue for him. So Bruhan, well deserved. Another yeah. guy that's been exceptional down at AAA, and so, so now you've got Taylor uh, Walls, Wander Franco, Vidal Bruhan. You're starting to see yeah. the the youth for this already young Rays team uh, being injected. Yeah, and they need those guys. They need those guys to play. Mm-hmm. That's why they're here. They need them to win. They're trying to win all the, all the games. They they're trying to win the division. Trying to get back into the postseason. Go deep into the playoffs and. These guys are not, um, you know, just getting rewarded for what they've done in AAA. They're actually here um, because they can help them, and um, it'll be exciting. It's always exciting to see major league debuts and things like that. And Bruhan has been one that has maxed out down there in Durham, and so it's good to see him get called up. All right, uh, we're going to have Matt Baker uh, in just a minute talk to us about college football, uh, the name, Im- image, and likeness, of course, uh, of all these players now. Uh, marketable for them, uh, a chance to get compensated uh, for, uh, you know, for what they do essentially uh, at these universities as athletes, student athletes, both men and women, and it's going to definitely change the landscape. I think of college athletics, amateurism, uh, as we know it, which has not really been true amateurism for a time. Everyone got paid uh, or got compensated in some way, except uh, the actual people who were the performers or the laborers in in this instance. So. I think that's going to be a great discussion as well as uh, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, uh, the proposed you know twelve team um, college football playoff that that might be on the horizon and we are just a couple weeks away from media days SEC media day in Hoover Alabama Matt will be there we'll break down uh, some quick thoughts about the state schools and where they stand so Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times our college writer coming up in just a few minutes. Here's what I want to know. Where do I go to get the five hours back that I spent watching the match between Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson against Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers, one by DeChambeau and Rodgers, three up after 16, 16 holes they played in about five-plus hours. This, this, was, this was, I mean, a little bit of good banter in the beginning, but, but basically not as good as last year. A lot of other things competing for the well, uh, for yeah, your let's, attention. Let's, look, I turned it off halfway through because I couldn't stomach anymore. It was. I wish I could have turned. It was it off. excruciating. It. it was slow. It was. I play golf faster than that, and I stink. Um, but last year, if you recall, we enjoyed the match because there was absolutely nothing on. I think it was the first sporting event televised. Was it not? There was that... what NASCAR. I think had already played. Yeah, I think you're and, right. Uh, raced and. PGA was getting close to – I don't remember if they had played an event before. I think or, they may have played a couple events, and, and of course this yeah. one had no fans and no media, and but, I remember – But you didn't have football, baseball, hockey, basketball, soccer wasn't back yet. You know, a right. lot of the, the biggest sports and, and the ones that, that get seem to get the most following or, or that, they weren't playing, so the match was fantastic. Mm-hmm. This one was excruciating. And I'm glad I didn't have to write about it because I turned it off, started watching <laughs> the NBA Finals. Well, and I'm not even a big NBA guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I did. And I did find a few morsels in there, a couple of zingers. And, and that's what it's become about the shots that they take to the ribs and not necessarily the ones they make on the golf course. It's just um, – it's and, and so, 
you know, surprisingly, really DeChambeau, uh, aside from chipping in on number one, uh, and, you know, for that matter, Phil Mickelson, who had one pretty good drive or two, didn't really contribute very much. But I'll tell you, the star uh, on the on the golf course, and they were playing an alternate sort of match play format, was Aaron Rodgers, who started draining every single putt that he saw, including the one on 16 to win the match. Um, he he had some some impressive drives as well. This is a guy that says he hasn't played very much golf. He certainly hadn't played any football um, since losing the NFC Championship game. He's been in Hawaii with his fiance and all of that. But um, they did ask him finally about, I'd say around the 13th hole, the question that really everyone probably tuned in for, which is who's going to quarterback the Packers on opening day, to which he said, I don't know, stay tuned. You know, it was basically the – the usual dodge by uh, by Rogers, um, so no insight there. If you were hoping for that in today's headlines, you're not going to find it. Um, he didn't really go there, but uh, you know the the star of of the evening, if you want to call it that, was Montana itself. I mean, I just came back from Kalispell, which is about 350 miles away from Big Sky. It's one of the most beautiful states I've ever been to, and I've been to a number of them. Um, and you know, just with the mountains and, and this golf course, I mean, the, you know, there were the goats, right? Rogers, Brady, and a real bear, an actual bear, not Jack Nicholas, but a bear foxes, um, foxes. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And, and of course, you know, just from the topography standpoint, I mean, it's gorgeous, gorgeous state and golf course. Also one of the hardest golf courses I've ever looked at. I mean, I'm watching these guys and if, if you couldn't place the ball, in what was most of the time a very narrow fairway, you were in some stuff. You were just going. I mean, it felt like it felt like what I do on golf courses where you just lose a lot of golf balls. Um, they lost a ton of them uh, with the foursome. Now they they all with the match play format, they managed to you know to shoot under par. But I'm here to tell you, this was aside from the aesthetics, um, it was grueling to watch because really neither pro played particularly well. Um, and, and of course you didn't expect the amateurs to, you know, to carry them at least tee to green. So, um, it was, uh, it was interesting, man. I got Brady is 0 two now with Phil Mickelson. I think it's his only two losses uh, that Mickelson has had in these events. And, you know, look, a lot of money was raised for, for, um, you know, for, for meals and, and, and things like this. And Barack Obama's, um, organization or foundation had, uh, uh, were recipients of this as well. So, I mean, it went to a good cause and all of that. What it really was, too, was it was a sort of an infomercial a little bit for TNT, which is going to have the NHL next year. They had Wayne Gretzky on mm-hmm. remotely. Um, so it was that that part of it was, was self-promotion. But overall, uh, ee, ah, you know, they had Gronkowski called in. I mean, there were, there were some light moments and, and, again, some back and forth between – um, the players and and um, the commentators, Charles Barkley included, um, but it it just really never got going in my mind. No, I would agree completely. And uh, right before we get to Matt here, just one final thing: Cameron Kinley, remember the uh, Navy uh, president of his student class last year, the defensive back that was an unsigned um, player for the Bucks that came to rookie mini camp. Um, if you recall the story. Sort of unexpectedly, he was told uh, by interim defense secretary that, in fact, his service or his commission would not be delayed as he had requested and is usually uh, allowed by almost every military academy, including the Navy last year. Uh, But for whatever reason, no explanation was given. So he had gone on what was a pretty uh, 
pretty comprehensive media tour, including talking to me and, and, and a lot of national uh, you know, television and, and uh, radio shows. He appealed to his senator in, in, in Tennessee. He's from Memphis. He's done everything he could uh, and finally was granted uh, the opportunity uh, by the Defense Department to go to Bucks training camp to participate, uh, to sign with the Bucks and try to make that football team. And so uh, he's a terrific kid. I was so impressed with him when I talked to him, uh, you know, when he signed with the Bucks before any of this business really occurred, uh, you know, back at the end of April in early May. I mean, this guy, you know, there's so many great, you know, obviously midshipmen at Navy. And um, when you talk to the people up there, this this kid is special. Like I said, student class president. So good for him. Uh, it, it was a, a big victory, and, and he has a chance to pursue another dream. He still, of course, intends on, um, you know, doing his service to the country. And, and, and I think he's somebody you're going to hear from for many years to come when that when that occurs. He faces a long hill to try to make this football team, though, Steve. This is not an easy team to make, as good as Cameron Kinley is, and he did impress some people in minicamp, a rookie minicamp. I'm just here to tell you, this is not a slam dunk that just because the Navy has said, okay, go try to make that football team, that he will. No, I mean, you know, I mean, we talk about the 22 starters that are back on this team from the yeah. Super Bowl, but a lot of the 53-man roster is back trying to stay on the roster or Mm -hmm. compete for a spot. And some of them are going to lose their jobs because you've drafted some players and, and, you know, you've got other players coming in that, you know, whatever in the off season, free agent signings, et cetera, that, you know, it's going to be, this is not an easy roster to crack. You're exactly right. I mean, it's, you know, not only are are the starters pretty much set, um, you know, although, you know, Giovanni Bernard may end up starting over, Fournette or you know Ronald Jones and there's a few positions like that but even the backup roles are going to be tough to come by yeah and they've signed some veteran defensive backs in the offseason and some guys that they liked on their practice squad at the end of last year so Mm -hmm. he'll have to do it on special teams although um, in the in the brief three days that we saw him he made plays out there he's an impressive looking athlete and in you know obviously his will is strong because he's had to navigate this whole experience and not give up very easily so it's just good all he wanted was a chance he's going to get that chance and so i'm glad that it worked out in his favor hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, Matt Baker joins us now. We have so much to talk about. Before we get started, Matt, first of all, congrats on your 10-year anniversary. Did I see that correctly? Working at the Tampa Bay Times, has it been a decade already? It has been a decade, which is crazy, and and, and thank you. Uh, I did not know if this would be a long-term stop. I mean, you know how the how the industry is. Didn't know if it would take to me, if I would take to it, but uh, this is as long as I've lived anywhere other than the hometown I grew up in. And hmm. it, so it, for it to be a decade and all the wonderful experiences I've been able to have, I am extremely grateful and fortunate. And uh, here's to many, many more, I hope. Yeah, for all of us that are uh, working journalists at the Tampa Bay Times, we are we're grateful for what we do. And you've, you've done a, a ton of, of, of things and events and, and great work, uh, both 
in and out of college football and, of course, uh, all the racing and the different things that you have done. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to you. That is uh, that is not an easy thing to do to have that kind of longevity in our business, let alone at the Tampa Bay Times. So, uh, And we're happy that we have you back again. It's been a while. Uh, you know, yep. the, the, the college football season is, is right around the corner. So much has happened. So much is changing in the landscape of college sports, I'll give you my opinion on it. Uh, you know, first and foremost, I think it's 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 overdue. There are some concerns. Um, I want to start with with what is the seismic shift, which is the uh, name, image, and and likeness uh, that is happening uh, with athletes able to profit on those things um, in college sports, and how how that will um, forever uh, change the landscape of it. We're just we're still learning. Um, you know all sort of the ramifications and opportunities that are out there for these athletes. And I thought it was interesting, Matt, when this all came down, there was sort of a midnight madness with this thing, right? Who would be first? Who would be the first to sign? Um, tell me, just just let's start with the, the whole decision, uh, which I guess evolved from the Supreme Court decision, but um, that, that, you know, athletes who, who forever have been compensated basically with scholarships, that sort of thing, limited how much they could work, um, we know that there are needs that go well beyond, uh, just the cost of education. Um, but there's, there's concerns also that, that maybe the rich will get richer and there will be, you know, some, some kind of corruption involved with this, but what, what's your overall take on, um, for so long college sports paying everybody, but athletes and now athletes at least able to make some money on their name and likeness and image. Yeah, I think this was kind of just the most common sense thing that like most things with college sports should have been done a long, long time ago. Um, look, it, it's gotten to the point where, you know, Dan Mullen's making, was it $7 million a year now? And Dabo's making nine and Saban, I think, is making 10. And these guys are making, the coaches, obviously in football and basketball, but even in, in your, your non-revenue sports, they're, they're making six figures and making a lot of money. And, and the people... The athletes doing the work are are not getting paid market value. You know, I'm not I'm not saying they're not getting paid at all. You know, I, I had student loans. I know the value of a, a college scholarship and how important that is, and that that would have been fantastic. Um, they they are also uh, athletes have for the last few years have gotten a, a cost of living uh, stipend or cost of attendance stipend that gives them a little bit of running around money for you know laundromat and pizza night and that sort of thing. But the problem was that there was a cap on it. And that there were people who wanted to pay athletes and athletes that had uh, would have been able to make money, but they weren't able to because of the NCAA. And the easiest solution the entire time was to say, OK, the schools aren't going to pay you that that opens up legitimate, uh, legitimate issues involving Title IX because, you know, we'd have to figure out, OK, what can we pay a female athlete? Where the values, you know, the the um, demand is not as high. What about a male athlete? That the, Title IX is a legitimate issue with that. But if you make every if you allow everybody else to pay athletes for endorsements and uh, autographs and stuff like that, that removes that burden from the school and Title IX is not an issue. Then it's just who wants to deal with a quarterback, who wants to deal with a left tackle, whatever it is. So this was just a common sense thing that again, took way too long to, to figure out how to make it work. And, and a couple kind of things that the dominoes that led us here was California was the first state or at least the first big state to pass legislation that was going to make this happen. It had a start date, I believe, of either 2022 or 2023. And then Florida, give, give the people in Tallahassee credit here, Florida went on and passed their own bill um, about it, I think it was last April, if I'm not mistaken, with a start date of July 1st, 2021. 
So that was a year or two earlier than California and I believe Colorado. So the idea was that Florida really put the pressure on the NCAA to say, look, here is the, the, the timeline. We've moved it up. You have now have a year and change to figure this out. The NCAA, as is want to do, didn't really figure it out. So at the last minute said, all right, you all figure it out. You're good. Whatever. Um, and, and that's kind of how we got to where we are, where, where um, you know, different schools can have different policies. Different states will have different policies. Eventually, uh, I think the, the U.S. Uh, Congress is going to pass some legislation that would kind of standardize things, get rid of some of the, the school A can do this, school B cannot, at least to some degree. But in, in the meantime, it's this era right now where um, you know Florida has its law and some states don't, but everybody is able to do something at least. Um, and we'll see just kind of how that all shakes out. Um, you, know, you, you asked about maybe the rich getting richer. That's a concern. I think it's a valid concern to some degree, but I mean, what's going to happen? Is, is Alabama start going to get more good players or, or Ohio <laughs> State or Clemson? I mean, right. that's what already happens. I mean, you can make an argument. This, again, we don't have any idea. We'll see how this shakes out in the coming months and years. But I could make an argument that it's going to benefit other schools a lot too. Um, would you rather be the 22nd player in Ohio State's star-studded recruiting class or the top player at Nebraska, the top recruit at Nebraska, which has a very rapid fan base, or Boise State, or Fresno State, or maybe USF. So, you know, that that's one way that it could kind of shift it. Um, and then I'm curious to see just the other on-the-field question to continue rambling here. The other on-field question I have is, what will this legislation, what will this brand new era we're in mean for players choosing to stay in school versus go pro because the old way up until this past year was i can go pro and make money i can stay in school and not make money hmm which am i going to do i'm going to take money but now with the, the way this is maybe if i have a good endorsement deal um and i'm making a decent amount of money now that's going to help you know support me support my family get me something in the bank so i'm not you know out of everything but maybe if I'm a seventh round pick, it's better to stay in school and try and be a mid round pick next year. Um, so I think that just it might not change the, the dynamics with every player. You know, your Trevor Lawrence is still going to go and get paid and he should. But there's a, a type of player further down the pecking order where this is just a new dynamic that we're going to have to see how it works out because it has the, the potential to change things. I think that's a great point. We could do a show on this, but I think just initially, I think I saw where um, maybe it was Maurice Claret, one of those guys. Had had tweeted out uh, had this existed back in their day, um, you know they might not have been as prone to jump to the NFL because the fact of the matter is there are guys with real needs, both family, yep. personal needs, all of that, and where going pro is is their only option or their best option because they simply can't um, continue uh, you know with their economic situation currently. So you're right, and and obviously, like you said, for a lot of guys who aren't going to be drafted or high draft picks instead of, of coming out and being taken in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, um, that would definitely improve their, their um, situation. I thought it was interesting, and you wrote this story pretty early on in the process. You know, you don't know who's out there. You know, like it's this, it's a, it's this uh, universe now of opportunity, and you don't know where it's going to come from. I mean, I think initially I was kind of thinking, well, um, you know, there could be some, some national brands that we're familiar with, what have mm -hmm. you. Uh, that may want to sponsor uh, players or teams. And then I saw, you know, one of the first stories you wrote was uh, about Flix CV, which was a Tampa Tech startup, uh, and Dinah Paxton had, who started it, had 
some some connections uh, uh, and and some some you know ideas about building her brand. And that was a company or entity that I was unaware of. And I bet there's literally hundreds of these that will be coming out of the woodwork now saying, hey, this is an opportunity to to connect ourselves with with players and or schools. Yeah, absolutely. So Flix TV is a, a Tampa tech startup I had never heard of either. Um, they, she, uh, It's a one-person shop. I guess there's a web developer as well. But Diana, she runs the place. She is the sole mm-hmm. proprietor. Uh, it's a company that... Um, they, they can do uh, interview highlight reels where if, if you're a recruiter trying to hire somebody for your widget company, um, people you can ask people to send in kind of a short highlight reel of their interview. So you can get a little bit more than what's on paper. Get a little, a little better feel for who they are before you figure out who you want to you know, fly in, bring in, whatever it is. Um, so it's a company I had not heard of. They started in March 2020, which was obviously an interesting time. Um, and, and she uh, knew uh, Nicholas Pet, uh, Petit Frere from, uh, he played at Berkeley Prep. Now he's a starting offensive tackle at Ohio State, probably going to be an NFL uh, draft pick this coming year. And they hooked up and they announced a deal shortly after midnight. And so, you know, that's the, a way to link one company with one major, you know, one real employee to one of the biggest schools in the country. And we're absolutely going to see more of that. I mean, we are seeing lots of it. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be uh, athletes across all sports, not just not just football, um, who are getting deals with your your, your big brands. Um, we're seeing that some. We will see that more. Um, but I think probably the biggest way for this to become where we're going to see most of it is in the much smaller transactions. Um, you know, the the obvious example that comes to mind is the. Uh, pick pick your your pizza joint in in Gainesville or Tallahassee. Well, mm-hmm. they're probably they would love to have the star quarterback out at whatever school the, the hometown school. Come sign autographs from seven to nine on a Friday night. You know, quarterbacks here, people will come. They'll buy pizzas and they'll come back. Um, that, that's the type of thing we're going to see a lot of. I mean, there, there's lots of other ways that this is going to grow too. Um, we haven't seen a ton yet in terms of uh, sports camps. Uh, I think Mackenzie Milton has one. He and some other players are teaming up to do a, a football camp somewhere. Well, mm-hmm. before he could not do that. Mackenzie Milton's name couldn't be on it. Now it can, and that's going to be something where people will want to, you know, have watch, uh, have Mackenzie Milton watch me throw, um, and, and that sort of thing. That's another way that we're 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 going to see this changing and, and growing in the coming weeks and years. But I think you're exactly right. There there are big brands that will be involved. But as we go forward, it's really going to be the mom and pops that are going to make this thing go. I also thought it was interesting, uh, and this is a story you wrote in, uh, uh, I guess it was Tuesday's Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com. Um, there's an opportunity now for, for companies to just connect themselves with entire programs. Um, you wrote about a uh, mixed martial arts academy, American Top Team. Uh, they're going to offer $500 a month to all Hurricane Scholarship players for things like Social media, personal appearances. Um, I, I, this is this is a a tremendous uh, you know opportunity both for the company. Um, I, I'm sure that that the teams will have to be selective in which brands they choose. Um, but it's almost you know again like there is money sort of waiting for scholarship players um, in addition to whatever personal uh, nils they choose. So l- let me correct you there. It, because the, the semantics here are, are important and, and they're confusing. The team, the, the players can get sponsors w- w- with this stuff and get paid. The teams right. themselves cannot. They cannot. But but if you sign, like, so explain this to me. 
Um, yeah. Do they do they have a deal with all Hurricane players? That is then? what it is. That is what is going to be offered. As, as we sit here talking, I don't think it's actually been executed yet. But yeah. the, this MMA Academy, based in, in South Florida, they plan to offer a deal. I think it's five hundred dollars a month for every scholarship football player um, to sign on. You know, if the quarterback doesn't want to, he doesn't think it's worth the time. He doesn't it's have to. New, if the backup okay. punter wants to, doesn't want to, that's up to him. Gotcha. Um, so the the hurricanes themselves are not involved. They can't broker this. They I don't right. think they're allowed to advertise it. Um, that sort of thing. But gotcha. if a that's not that cannot stop a a private entity, a company, a businessman, whatever, from mm-hmm. reaching out to every player individually or somebody who represents those players, saying, "Hey, this is what I want to do." Does that right. make sense? Because this is this is yeah. this is confusing, and this is where there's. Um, a lot of kind of uncertainty. I mean, schools, I know schools have not been, schools have been scrambling to try and figure out what they can do and what they cannot. Can't do. do. What can yeah. they, yeah. What can they publicize? What can they not publicize? Mm-hmm. Um, are, are athletic departments allowed to kind of facilitate um, interview requests for, for me to talk to player X about his deal with, with uh, brand Y? I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's the type of stuff that's still being, work through and, and sort it out and, and different people can come to different terms on that. But um, what, what we're seeing with, with this deal with, with the, the Miami players and there's uh, UCF women's basketball team is um, yeah. their players are, are getting a, a, a similar type deal um, with a college hunks hauling junk, I think is the, the name. Um, what we're going to see is different brands saying, yeah, maybe I've given to the athletic department in the past right now. Maybe my, my money is better served going to the players themselves and casting it in a wide net um, to be a, a full supporter of this university, uh, of this athletic department. Um, I, I think there, this is a way to, um, if you spread the wealth, I'll, I'll back up. One of the concerns that I've heard about this, this whole issue is the idea that I'm the star quarterback. I'm going to get all the deals. The people who are blocking for me are not. So there might be some tension in the locker room. I, I think mm-hmm. that a lot of that is overblown. But anyway, that was a, a concern that some people had. Well, if you've got a situation where, uh, you know, this MMA company is going to come in and, and give literally every scholarship player the opportunity for this, well, maybe that eases some of that tension because everybody's everybody's eating, right? So that, that's just one of the examples of how this is already changing in, in, in a week now and how it will continue to evolve in the in the in the coming weeks. Because you know, if, if Miami is going to do this, you can bet somebody with Florida is going to be looking into it, and Florida State, and Ohio State, and Alabama, and, and everyone's going to be looking into these type of situations. You know, it's interesting because uh, you mentioned the difficulties with Title IX and all those things and, and how would how would colleges compensate athletes, and so they're removed from that in this system. Um, but by the same token, I think, you know, when you mentioned the college hunks hauling junk, um, that's that's sort of an opportunity for women athletes at, at UCF playing basketball uh, to, to benefit from this. Some of your what what we're traditionally, and I'm not saying UCF doesn't make money on women's basketball. I don't know, but some of your maybe lesser revenue sports that you this is an opportunity for those athletes too to benefit from their name, image, and likeness, which I think is great. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you could make an argument that what three or four of the top, certainly top ten, maybe the top three or four athletes in the country in terms of of um, brand recognition and uh, potential money-making opportunities with name, image, and likeness are female. 
I mean, mm-hmm. you look at uh, uh, Paige uh, Buckets up at, at UConn. Uh, I mean, she's got a thousand gazillion followers. Is clearly the best women's basketball player in the country. She can mm-hmm. cash in. There's a, a gymnast, I believe, at LSU that's got like four million TikTok followers or something. And the uh, twin basketball players at Fresno State who have already signed at least three national deals that I'm aware of. So. Yeah, these type you know, the female athletes and your non-revenue and non-football, non-basketball sports, they're going to be able to make a lot of money on this if they're good enough or if they're engaged enough. Um, the, the Yahoo did a story uh, probably a month or two ago now about um, a women's lacrosse player at uh, U, either UMass or Boston College. I can't remember which. In, in any case, kind of the Michael Jordan right now of, of, of women's lacrosse. Well, it's, women's lacrosse does not have like a pro league where this person's going to be able to go make a, a lot of money afterwards. This is kind of going to be the peak of her earning potential. But she is in, in her sport, which is a growing sport. Um, she is recognized as the best and is a huge name. And I would be quite sure that if she wants the opportunities, uh, there will be ways for her to make money off of camps, off of endorsing this type of lacrosse uh, stick or, or whatever the case may be. So th- there's definitely a lot of money to be made with, with, with um, people who you don't necessarily think of immediately, not, not the McKenzie Mill, not in Murray Jones, not Derek King. Your other athletes are going to be able to make a lot of money off of this as well. Well, I think it's fascinating. I think it's going to uh, definitely uh, benefit a lot of people and uh, we'll see where it goes going forward. But uh, we're just in the early days of this, and so there's a lot to learn about it. But uh, my initial impression is, thank goodness, uh, it's good to to know that uh, some of these athletes will at least be able to to profit on their name and their image and their likeness and and, and things like that. All right, Matt. Quickly, I want to get uh, through some some storylines here in a second about our state's college football programs. Uh, but first, and, and like I said, this is a whole show unto itself. I know that the NCAA is considering and most likely will expand their college football playoffs to 12 teams. Here's my initial reaction. A lot of people said, oh, boy, these are going to be some horrible games. There's going to be some super mismatches. Sure, it's an opportunity for maybe a non-Power 5 school to get in the playoffs, what have you. All of that might be positive. My reaction is this. This could do for college football what the NCAA tournament did for college basketball, whereby all of a sudden Gonzaga is a place that is a destination because they can, uh, you know, recruit uh and guys don't have to go away to be in the in in the big dance or in the playoffs Uh, it may take some time but we've seen it happen in college basketball do you think that could have down the road the same impact for college football where players will go hey i don't have to go to alabama i can stay at usf or 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 ucf or whatnot i think there's a chance it happens um Again, the, the, the quick, the, quickly, the timing on this. September is when the college football playoffs, whatever their bureaucratic board name is, uh, they're going to meet and talk about this. Maybe they will will pass it then. In which case, tw- the twenty twenty three season, I believe, is the one the earliest it could be. We'll see if that happens and, and when it might actually take place. But um, to the actual meat of your question, yeah, it's certainly possible that we see um, we see the playing field shift a little bit. I mean, I could make the argument right now that Gus Malzahn has an easier path to the playoff at UCF than he does at Auburn. Um, you know, it, UCF is going to be one of the top teams in the in, uh, the AAC just about every year, or, or they should be, and they accordingly they should be one of the top couple teams in the what, what we now call the Group of Five every single year too. I mean, they should be competing with Boise, with Cincinnati, um, you know, whatever other AAC kind of jumps out that year um so they they have a a clear path to the playoff and 
maybe that makes a Gus Malzahn or whatever Gus Malzahn equivalent, you know, Mike Norvell when he was at Memphis, maybe that makes them a little bit more likely to stay at, at a more mid-level program and not need to jump to, to Nebraska or Tennessee or Florida State. Um, it's possible that the play, uh, the, the players themselves view view it that that same way, where I can get to the playoff at Penn State. I don't need to go to Ohio State. And, and maybe that gets one or two players that Ohio State wanted gets them to the Buckeyes or to Michigan or Michigan State or whatever the case may be. So maybe that does spread the wealth a little bit. Um, I, I think where, where it gets – so I do think there will be more parity. But where it gets into the complicated part is what does it actually mean in terms of who gets the trophy at the end of the year? I think as things are right now, it's still going to be a very, very select group. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, maybe Oklahoma. I definitely think Georgia's in that mix. There's a, maybe a handful of other teams that are really, really going to be able to compete for a championship. Um, you know, it's one thing to make the playoff. It's one thing to beat Georgia in the first round and then in the quarterfinals to beat Notre Dame and then to beat Clemson and then to beat Alabama. That, that's a really tough road, and there's only going to be a few teams that can do that in any given year. So it, maybe it won't necessarily change the very, very top in terms of who wins the championships, but it certainly makes things a lot more meaningful for everybody else in terms of do I have a chance at making the field where, and you know, making the playoff, that's going to be a successful year. And, you know, think about the, the bounce house at UCF hosting a, a uh, first round playoff game. So that's going to be the biggest thing that's probably ever happened. And at least in athletics at UCF or USF, if it happens or Miami, whatever the case may be. So I think this is a very, very good thing. Um, I still have a little bit of skepticism. It will happen because, I've seen college football and the, the power brokers in college sports screw up too many obvious things in the past. But if all goes well, I think on September we'll, we'll get some more information. And then maybe here in a couple of years, we can actually start thinking about a 12-team playoff where they play off game at the Swamp or Doak or whatever. Uh, I, it's just fascinating to me. And I, I, I know that you know they got to work through some things uh, in terms of you know length of season, just how this would all transpire with bowl games, all that stuff. Contracts. Still has to be determined. Contracts, right? All of that. It's not going to be simple to put together. But I think they, you know, in in sort of floating the the trial balloon out there, the reception was pretty good, and that's going to, I think, force or prompt them to move forward with this plan, which I which I which I totally agree with. Let's get some quick storylines from uh, around the state uh, as we uh, are just, I guess, what weeks away. You got the SEC media days coming up in beautiful. Hoover, Alabama, that you'll be at uh, shortly. So let's start there in the SEC. And uh, give me just what pops in your mind quickly, uh, a storyline or two for, for these schools. Let's start with Florida and the Gators. Yeah, yeah. two weeks from today, I will be in Hoover for SEC media days, which is crazy. Um, but the first thing that comes into my mind with Florida is Dan Mullen and Emory Jones. You know, Emory is the guy that uh, Mullen was high on immediately after his freshman season in high school got him away from Urban Meyer and the Buckeyes to, to make him the first quarterback he signed at, at Florida. As, as This is overly simplistic, but as Emory Jones goes, the Gators are going to go. And I don't yet have a good read on whether that means they're going to win the East or compete for the East or whether they're going to be in for another 8-4. and four. All right, so let's uh, move up the road, I guess, or out uh, to the panhandle a little bit uh, with Florida State, Mike Norvell, has uh, done some some good things in recruiting. I don't know how close they are to turning it around there. What do you see at Florida State? They obviously have uh, Mackenzie Milton that has transferred there. They do. I think they're going to take steps forward and be a better team than they were last year, if, if you can read anything to, into to 2020. 
Um, I don't know that it's going to show up in the wins and losses when you look at the schedule where they open against Notre Dame, they close against Florida, they got Clemson in there. I think that they've got they're at North Carolina, um, Miami. It, it's going to be a, a hard. It's going to be a tough season for for the Knolls. Um, again, I think they will make progress, and and we'll see the you know they got a top five recruiting class right now. We'll see if they'll be able to keep it. If they go seven and five or something, when seven and five, when you look at the schedule, it, that might be a good year. Absolutely. USF is asking for more support from their fans. Everybody wants that. Um, not such a great first season for their head coach. So where are we looking at with the Bulls, do you think? Yeah, I just want to see what progress they can make. Because with, with Norvell and Jeff Scott both, I throw last year pretty much completely out. So now he's had, you know, Jeff Scott's had a full off season. He's learned what it is that he didn't know that he didn't know, at least to some degree. And I just want to see if they can take some steps forward to make me think that Scott's going to be able to guide to to do what Michael Kelly said he can do, which is win a championship. Miami and Derek King, pretty good quarterback, pretty good program. I think they had a great year last season. Do they take another step? I think they do. I don't feel great about it because I don't know that I've ever correctly figured out what Miami is going to do. <laughs> but I do think last year was a big step forward with them, even though there were, you know, the North Carolina game was awful. There, there were some some bad results, but they took a step forward. Derek King, assuming he's healthy, is going to be one of the better quarterbacks, I think, in the country. And, and I, I expect them to reload on defense. So, yeah, I think Miami is going to be a good team. And I think they're going to be in the mix to to make it to Charlotte for the ACC title game again. We mentioned UCF a little earlier, former Arkansas State and Auburn coach. See what I did there? <laughs> Gus Malzahn takes over. <laughs> so, uh, I, I look, is it going to take time? Is, is this, uh, this Does it look like just a stepping stone for Malzahn? It seems like he's been to the SEC and back and then again. So uh, what can he do there at UCF? I, I think he's going to be good. I think UCF is going to be good. The, the problem is they're in there with Cincinnati, which is going to be, mm. I think Cincinnati is going to be very good, if not great this year. So I think they're going to be better than they were last year uh, under Heupel. But I don't know that they're going to be able to to crack that very top tier of the group of five and, and uh, battle for a spot in New Year's Six. I think Cincinnati is going to be too strong there. It's going to be a great year in the state of Florida, no doubt, in college football. As always, it's going to be great to see fans back in the stadiums. I'll get oh you out God. on this one. And I know. And and maybe maybe even us able to interview players and coaches not through a, t- a screen on a computer, which would be just uh, asking maybe too much. But I'm, I'm, I'm certainly hoping the locker room's open all that. Let me, let me get you out on this, and this is going back to where we started with the NILs. You know, with, with the landscape, everything changing, attitudes change, as you know. One of the stories that's out there uh, – is whether, and I guess this would be up to the Heisman Committee, I don't know who, but like, you know, Reggie Bush, there are players who are stripped mm-hmm. of things for, for taking uh, uh, cash or, 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 you know, being sanctions on the programs and things that they had done. Do you think all of that should, should be looked at differently now? If, uh, and we'll just take Reggie in, in particular, that our attitudes will change about what, what, can, what transpired in the past and why? I think our attitudes will change, but here's the thing. Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush broke the rules. Mm-hmm. Right, like I don't think mm-hmm. that's in dispute. Uh, he knew the rules and he broke them. The rules mm-hmm. were stupid. I, I believe that a thousand percent. You know, if somebody wanted to give uh, Reggie Bush and his family all that stuff in a house or whatever, they, I, I mean, it, he can he can take it, but it was still, and I think he deserved it. But it was against the rules, and he broke it. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, the, the Heisman kind of threw it back to the NCAA and said, if the NCAA wants to like 
reinstitute uh, re or reinstate his, his his records and his performances or whatever, then yeah, we can give him the Heisman again. Um, so I think that's kind of where things stand there. I, I do think it, it will definitely shape our opinion of, of what has happened in the past. Where Was it Todd Gurley got in trouble for signing autographs or something? Yeah, when we look back on it later, that was stupid. What, what, what were we doing here? And we've, we've got players who have gotten in trouble for, for very serious things in the past. And yet uh, Todd Gurley was, was getting in trouble for that. I mean, shoot, I was in Oklahoma at the Tulsa World when, uh, when Des Bryant got in trouble for, for lying to the NCAA about a, um, some sort of deal with, with, with Deion Sanders or whatever. And like, really? That's, that's what is going to get people in trouble? But there were rules and he broke them. So in the, in the, the rearview mirror of hindsight, we'll say that was really, really stupid. But at the same time, there were rules and people broke them. I like that answer. I like it a lot. He's Matt Baker, and he's been with us for 10 years. We get him for Woo. going on year 10, 11, 12, hopefully well beyond that. And we'll have him here, of course, on Sports Day Tampa Bay as we get into the college football season. Matt, congratulations on the anniversary. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to talking to you this fall. Thanks, man. You got it. Thank you. As always, my thanks to Matt Baker. Uh, tomorrow we will recap Game 5 of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Maybe Stanley will remain and get a further tan in Tampa Bay. We'll see if that comes to pass. The Rays, of course, have their doubleheader, a nooner uh, businessman special, I guess, against the, the Cleveland Indians yeah. before that. So Remember, those day. are seven-inning games this yeah, year. Yeah, that's right, so. which is cool. So you could actually take in you know, two. Both games and over to Emily Arena. If you're lucky enough to get a ticket, God yes. bless you. It'd be a heck of a sports day. And then uh, we're going to have our mailbag on Friday, so get your questions in. We already have some that we're compiling, and you can do that by uh, just submit them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Stay safe from the storm. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.